Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. And today we're talking about the law changes with regard to towing vehicles. It was changed about 18 months ago and Matt's going to give us an update on that one. It's all brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Welcome along. Let's get stuck straight into the news, shall we, Matt? And some last minute bookings on the hire book. Well, we've got some gaps. We've got some lulls in the hire diary. Have we got lulls? We're doing the lull thing again. Have you got that bike riding swan still? Yeah, the paddling swan. That's the one. The peddling, peddling swan. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to listen to a previous episode to know what we're going on about. Uh, yeah, the hire team at Motorhome Holiday Company, we've got some gaps. So if you're thinking of a motorhome holiday this summer, then get in touch with the team because we've got some gaps. And an offer. 15% off on all our two-birth motorhomes this summer. So if you're thinking of a quick escape for a few days, we've also dropped our minimum hire of a week so you can squeeze a little trip away into our diary into our lull just the two of you just well no we've got six births as well yeah but the 15 percent is often no no it's only for couples (laughs) (laughs) there's always a deal keith always a deal talk to nikki (laughs) bend her arm Uh, okay then uh, let's talk about what's new in the shop that leisureshop.com as well your favorite product for this week yeah we had a wireless reversing camera arrive from maypole and they're brilliant they're really low price they're actually really good i've always been very cynical about wireless reversing cameras thinking the signal would break up this is designed for caravanners so there's a little plate you can bond to the back of the caravan and then have the screen plugged into your cigarette lighter the 12 volt accessory that's socket. the one people don't have cigarette lighters anymore <laughs> not allowed to call it a cigarette 12 lighter you volt said accessory socket you told me off last time i called mm, it a cigarette lighter it is a cigarette lighter when was the last time you saw somebody sparking up a cigarette oh the other day actually in a motorhome no well there you no, go on the street there you go <laughs> But anyway, you plug the camera in there and you've got a reversing camera, which on the back of a caravan is genius. Do you do it on your phone or do you, has it got a No, it's a screen. screen. It's got its own little screen. So it's a self-contained unit and really, really good. The picture quality was great. The signal didn't break up. We have this exhibition trailer that we take to the shows and I was using it on the back of that. It just makes reversing it really easy. So really handy. Top product. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. And into the main part of today's podcast. The law was changed 18 months ago with regard to towing, Matt. It was, yeah. What was that change and what have the effects been? So in their wisdom, in September 2021, the government decided in a very short space of time, the consultation was really short, a few weeks, to drop the B plus E restriction on our licence. So it used to be the case, you pass your car driving test and you were restricted on how much you could tow, 750 kilos. Then if you wanted to drive anything over three and a half tonnes, you took a test to get the C1 licence. That is still the case. That licence is under review. That restriction is currently under review. Since we left Europe, government are currently considering whether to give us back that entitlement to drive over three and a half tonnes. But the B plus E was dropped, meaning you could pass your test, drive a car up to three and a half tonnes, and tow a trailer up to three and a half tonnes. So you could have a train weight of seven tonnes, but you could still only drive a vehicle up to three and a half tonnes. You couldn't drive a lorry weighing 
seven and a half tons. So you can have a vehicle three and a half tons and a trailer three yeah. and a half tons, but not a vehicle uh, which is completely powered, i.e., not a trailer. Up to seven tons. Yeah, and this was 18 months ago. There was huge protests from the industry, the driving training industry, that there would be loads of accidents and it would be a disaster. So I thought, well, 18 months on, seems a good time frame to go and find out what has the impact been on driving standards and on the driver training industry of this change. So I spoke to Sharon Sparks at Mendip Towing Training. They're based very close to here. And this is the living that Sharon has. This is her business, is driver training. The DVSA and the government bodies that have brought in this new rule in have not thought of the impact this is going to have on road safety at all. And what impact has it actually had? Tremendous impact. You know, if you drive around the countryside, which I do because I live in the countryside, you've only got to meet somebody who's pulling their caravans behind them and they, they can't go back. They can't go back because they don't know how to reverse. But the worst side of it is, I think, other than reversing, which is an embarrassment for the person involved, is the fact that they might not have coupled that vehicle up properly. And that's going to have an impact on pulling out even onto a main road. We see this often where we are in our office. There's Behind us, there's a caravan storage business. And at the moment, probably once a week, people pull out onto the road and the caravan leaves the car. The brakes are applied automatically and, and it's just a mess. Yeah. I mean, there's a simple method that, you know, when when you take the training, it's called a stress test. Out of 100 people, if I said to you, have you conducted your stress test on that jockey wheel? They would look at me vacantly. They wouldn't know what I was talking about. Go on then, tell us, what's a stress test on a jockey wheel? Okay, the stress test is once you've you've put the jockey wheel, you've used the jockey wheel to put the hitch onto the ball, you then must wind it back up, lifting the back end of your vehicle, which is weighted, obviously, to a stress point where you're satisfied that it hasn't come off the ball. It's no good going along and just saying, yeah, that's okay, I've lifted it, you know, I've using your hands, you're not strong enough. And if that ball is not applied, that hitch is not on that ball correctly, it's only a stress test that will reveal that. Wind the jockey wheel up so that it's connected to the vehicle and it's lifting the back end of the vehicle. So he's trying to force it off the tow hitch. Absolutely. So I just want to give you a scenario, right? Okay, so we've got a motorhome that weighs three and a half tonnes, it's 7.4 metres long. Mm-hmm. And we go to shows with a box trailer. So we've just purchased this great big trailer and it's probably six metres long mm-hmm. and it has a gross weight of two and a half tonne. The motorhome can tow that. It's within the realm of the motor and capability of the motorhome to tow that. But just for clarity, my colleague, Jordan, who's in his early 20s, he has a normal car licence. He doesn't have a C1, so he's passed his test very recently. He can now drive that, can't he? Yes, he can. Yeah, he's legally allowed to drive that vehicle. What's your view on that? It's it's crazy. It's crazy. He's got no experience. He's just passed his test. So, like you say, he's passed his test in a mini. He's now getting into the likes of a Range Rover or a motorhome. He's never been taught to reverse. He's never been taught to couple up properly. He's now got the extended length, which will equal my Arctic lorry that I teach him, which is... 14 and a half metres. And it's interesting that the rules about length of vehicles, he can drive a vehicle that's rigid up to 12 metres long, three and a half tonne, mm-hmm. but he can also, on top of that, tow a trailer mm-hmm. that's up to three and a half tonne and seven metres long. That's 19 metres plus the A-frame is the max, but then he needs an escort. So there is a cap, isn't there, of 16 and a half metre length before you need an escort. But you can drive that 
on a car licence. He hasn't got to go and have a medical. He hasn't got to do an extended theory like you have if you go into the the realms of HGV, LGV. Um, He's done none of that. He's just literally said he's he's fit to drive on his B licence when he applied for his licence and he's taken no further education in it at all. He can't drive a motorhome though that's over three and a half tonnes but he has to have a C1 to do that. That just seems insane to me. That rigid seven metre motorhome or seven and a half metre motorhome, even shorter, that's 3,650, he can't drive it. That just seems a bit odd. They've got to have a cut-off point on weight and that's the cut-off point. So then they move into the next category, which is your C1. So the C1 licence entitlement is only available to those of us without a further test that took our test before 1997. To have a C1, you have to take another test. But this is under consultation with Parliament at the moment. And lifting it means that our motorhomes can be slightly heavier, bigger payloads, Mm -hmm. and I think safer. We're not going to be overweight. But do you think Parliament are going to lift this? No. No, why not? I don't know why not, but if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. It's not. It's taken some time, hasn't it? It's been months already at Parliament, much longer than the B plus C restriction being lifted. It's been there for a good year. And you think that's a clue that it's just going into the long grass? Just going to be put on the back burner, unless something comes forward in the in the near future. But they've got to the 24th of September to make a, a, you know, a decision on it. So what happens on the 24th of September this All year? All the evidence has to come forward as to why it was proposed in the first place. OK, so we, we wait till the end of September then to find out the answer to this. Yeah, you do. So I'm a fan of it being lifted, but you're not, obviously. No, I'm not. No, because I, I just think, again, you've got a guy that's passed his test in the mini and he can now drive an incredible length and weight. Now he's going, he's not upping it to seven and a half ton. You can up it to, you know, a lot more depending on the vehicles you're driving. I get that. And surely though, is there not a case for some sort of middle ground where there's some training and there's a cap? Is that a yeah, possibility? Training, training is a possibility. To bring that in, to implement that, they're going to have to change a lot of law and legislation and they, they just don't want to do it. Yeah, it won't happen, will it? We were talking earlier about compulsory basic training for a motorbike test. Yeah. You were saying that this is something that car drivers should get in order to drive a lorry why can't the cbt if you want to go to the c1 why can't or even b plus c why couldn't we just have the you know a qualified um instructor signing off that element of training at least they've had training even if they don't go to test but make it compulsory that that training has to take place and do you think that some sort of compulsory basic training should be imposed for those looking to tow a caravan yes absolutely definitely and i think it would save a lot of the accident stats it would just totally because people that turn up here and do the training at the moment they haven't got a clue not a clue of what they're doing now there was big resistance to this change when it was imposed in well it was initially proposed september 2021 and it became law a couple of months later didn't it i think it was november 2021 you and your industry the the kind of driver training industry the police the fire brigade uh, a whole load of organizations were opposing the change grant shapps who at the time was Minister for Transport, didn't really have an answer as to why it was being changed. Not at all. He couldn't answer any question. I said, uh, you know, when I went to a consultation uh, meeting, I said, what has changed for you to, to bring this element of destruction to our industry in? And he couldn't answer it. I said, the roads are only getting more busy, more dangerous. Why would you take away a safety element that's been introduced 23 years ago? And what did he say? He didn't. 
He just deflected it onto something else. And so why do you think they did lift it? My understanding was it was something to do with the route to HGV driving. Yes, but interestingly, my understanding was it was for the consumer to have an easier route to HGV driving. But actually, there's a backstory there, isn't it? It's about the examiners. Yeah, it was the examiners, to release examiners back into the industry to be able to cover more tests for the HGV. But what they didn't let out was the fact that a lot of the B plus E examiners weren't qualified in HGV anyway. So they just went back to car testing. And you've got the statistics on this. Was it 180 B plus C examiners in the UK? I can't say exactly how many it was, but it was in the hundreds, yes. And how many actually went on to do the HGV testing? Approximately about 60. So so a third. So would you say it was a bit of a pointless exercise? Absolutely, totally pointless exercise from that point of view. But the biggest worry is the fact that it was it's taken away a safety element of our roads. People are at risk now. There was a big claim that accidents would increase. I mean, last week, a caravan flipped over on the M5 just locally to us here. Is there any evidence that there are more accidents happening as a result of this? <clears throat> we won't have that stats available to us for some time yet, but they're going to have to bring some stats forward by the 24th of September if they're going to convince us that it doesn't need to be reintroduced. Sharon, what's been the impact of all this change for you and your business, and what does the future hold? Okay, so for me personally, I covered B plus E training all the time. I didn't do anything else because it was so busy. I had a six month waiting list uh, uh, booking ahead of me for people to come in and do the the training and the test that the industry and my personal lifestyle was taken away from me within two weeks I was given two weeks notice so I, I lost my job with no compensation nothing so I've had to turn to HGV training which I've done in the past anyway yeah implement going out buying lorries and stuff like that to stay in the industry and, and uh, the future I see the future is very dismal with the DVSA they're going backwards they're not going forward in road safety and if someone wants to get training to drive their caravan just for their own sanity is that a good idea can they approach you for that absolutely yeah we run two hour three hour courses just we it's bespoke we fit it to what the what the client needs um, and we cover every aspect of the driver training for for a very small fee so they get a certificate of competence at the end of it because I'm an approved driving instructor have been for the last 42 years so I give a certificate of competence which is backed by the DVSA to say they've come up to a, a reasonable standard to be able to take to the road with their caravan and gives people the confidence to do it as well yeah. doesn't it yep Absolutely. And where can people find out more about you and your business, Sharon? I'm Mendit Towing Training, stroke LGV Training. I'm on the internet under Mendit Towing Training. Um, look at the reviews, they say everything. That's Sharon Sparks, driving instructor at Mendip Towing Training. The question I've got for you after that, Matt, is do you recommend that people take the training anyway? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think it's a really, really sensible idea. As I said in the conversation with Sharon, we see caravans falling off the back of cars here where we're recording this, there's a caravan storage business behind us, and people don't hitch them on properly. It's really easy to get it wrong. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can have an accident, you could do yourself a serious injury. In fact, we in our own storage business, we had a customer who just bought a caravan, and he dropped the caravan off the tow hitch, so it went down to the floor, and then had the challenge of trying to raise that A-frame back up, ended up using a jack to lift it back up and he just got it wrong because it was naivety on his part so I was able to give him a little bit of training on show him how to use it we've got a colleague here who is going to be towing our exhibition trailer and we will be doing the jockey wheel stress test with him and making sure that he has an hour with me 
uh, reversing and driving, towing that trailer. Really important. Let me play devil's advocate here. Uh, you've got YouTube. I mean, <laughs> motorhome mats all over uh, YouTube. Surely watching a couple of videos will give you enough training that you can go out and do it yourself? Uh, yeah, could do. That's a good place to start. But there's nothing quite like having someone watching what you're doing and then monitoring when you're getting it wrong and putting you on the right path, is there? I mean, you mentioned before we introduced Sharon that when a law was changed, uh, some of the uh, towing industry said it was going to see an increase in accidents. Have we seen that at all? I have to say, I'm not seeing more accidents being reported on the motorway than usual. Probably once a month, a caravan flips itself over on the motorway here at the M5. I mean, it's quite commonplace. I mean, we get a lot of caravans through the summer. We'll see what happens over the coming weeks when thousands and thousands of caravans every week will head south and north back up the M5. But honestly, I don't think we will. I think cars have become better at towing. Caravans have certainly become more stable when they're being towed. Hitches have become massively improved in terms of stability and the technology in towing has improved. So I'm intrigued. I take Sharon's points on board and her concerns about driving standards and I think they've dropped across the board. In mobile phone use, whilst you're driving, is a new thing, isn't it? I mean, in recent years. And we've had to legislate against that to stop us doing it. But are there more accidents from caravan towing and, and people with this new licence? I'm not sure. Right. You say that standards have dropped across the board, but of course the driving test in this country is one of the toughest in the world to pass, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. In fact, Sharon and I were joking off mic about some countries where you literally drive forward and reverse, pass. <laughs> and that's, I think it's Israel, she was saying, you know, making a comparison between the UK test. I thought it was interesting what she said about compulsory basic training as well, for someone to tow a caravan or even to drive something bigger. You know, driving a big motorhome is very different to driving a Mini. It is very different. And we see people off on their holidays every day here who are hiring a motorhome and they've left their tiny car here and they've got into a three and a half ton motorhome. And actually, our accident rate is really, really low. The reality is that people are sat up high. They're relaxed. They're not racing to a meeting. They're going on holiday. They are in a different mindset and they have a thousand pound excess to think about <laughs> and I'm sure that's a motivator as well but generally people feel they are more in control of the environment they're driving in so the motorhome itself and of the road and are taking their time so you know you'd think we lose bumpers every other hire we don't the odd wing mirror gets hit and occasionally a rear corner gets knocked and cracked but it really is not very often that that happens. And with the rise of the SUV as well, you mentioned uh, about uh, towing being uh, better and safer uh, a couple of minutes ago. I suppose with the rise of the SUV, uh, the vehicles that we're using to tow trailers and caravans with are, are, are more up to the job than they used to be. You used to see Hillman imps and stuff towing caravans. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. Do no, you? you get that phrase, the tail wagging the dog. And capability of vehicles have, of course, gone up. You know, this is a topic with EVs. Their ability to tow is you know, greatly restricted. But yeah, cars and motorhomes can tow significant weights. Is it time for when you buy that caravan or motorhome brand new that uh, they roll the training into the uh, retail price? It's not an option? That's a valid point. Uh, I think you'd see resistance from dealers to do that. Uh, I think you'd see resistance from the consumer to do that, actually. I don't know that it should be compulsory. I think it would be a very sensible thing to do. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Our freedom now is to be able to just do it, and we would be taking that away if there was compulsory training introduced. 
OK, then, whatever you have got to say on this, we really want to hear. How do people press that button and get their question to us? Yeah, certainly. Go to motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash askmat. You can hit the orange button and record your question or fill in the form and submit it there. When you're recording your question, please tell us where you are. We love to know where the podcast is reaching. We absolutely do. We want to hear uh, your towing uh, stories, successes, uh, failures, and also your opinion uh, about the behaviour of uh, people on the road and perhaps the ways we can make things safer for everybody. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. And it's brought to you with that leisureshop.com right now, my favourite part of every podcast. The Q&A, where you get to ask Matt the questions. First of all, Chris Howard got in touch. Hi, Matt. Hi, Keith. My name's Chris. I'm a fairly new camper van owner. Had mine for a couple of years now, but I've still got lots to learn and I'm really enjoying listening to the podcast and uh, learning lots and lots. It was also nice to meet Matt recently at uh, the Newbury show. The nice chat with you there, Matt. So thank you for that as well. You're asking on a recent episode about people's experiences with different breakdown services. So I thought I'd share, share my experience. I live in Surrey and I was traveling to Ben Nevis and I planned to stop over in the, in the Lake District on the way in Kendall overnight to break up the journey. So the next morning I set off. And within about 10 minutes, the uh, the engine sound suddenly changed from being, you know, normal diesel engine to being really loud. So I knew there was something, uh, something not quite right. So I uh, I pulled over and I thought, well, I can either ring the AA because I have AA cover through my insurance from Safeguard. But I assumed they would just tow me home. So I thought, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll try a couple of local garages just to see if they would be able to sort me out anyway. Tried that, and unfortunately, all the garages nearby were all fully booked and didn't have any time, unfortunately, just to look at the camper van. So I found a lay-by and, uh, and rang the AA. I got a phone call back fairly quickly from the local chap, Tom. Had a look underneath and fairly quickly diagnosed the problem as being the exhaust uh, system had sheared off at uh, where it joined the manifold. So uh, clearly a bit of a problem. Like I say, I assumed... I would just be getting towed home that with the end of my trip. But actually, said, Tom said, no, I might be able to fix it. He almost had quite a lot of local contacts. He, he made a few phone calls and he managed to find a supplier not too far away that had a replacement part. Tom fitted it and uh, I was on my way. So from being quite dejected and thinking I was going to be going home and on the back of an AA van, I was actually on my way and I managed to make it up to Scotland. So I was uh, very happy. That was a positive experience for me. Just thought I'd share that. Hopefully that was of, uh, of interest. Cheers, Chris. Much appreciated. Matt, what do you make of Chris Howard's question? <laughs> it was more his story, really, than a question. <laughs> his life I've story. Said, big, big tick to the AA. Well done, yellow guys. Uh, once again, I mean, they have a huge statistic of a huge number of uh, roadside breakdowns that are fixed at the roadside, and they get people on their way. That's their number one priority, as I'm sure it is for all the breakdown services. Of course, Chris has listened to my recent tale of woe, where I was waiting for 15 and a half hours in a broken-down Alfa Romeo in the dark and the cold for the RAC. It was a bit of a disaster. If you've not seen it, go and watch it on YouTube or listen to it on the podcast. And all over social media, I was there actually posting live from the car, um, and I was genuinely frightened. In fact, their solution, the RAC solution, was for me to call 999 uh, and get the boys in blue out. Listen to that podcast. The RAC have put things right, we must add. 
Thanks very much, Chris, for getting in touch. Much appreciated, and thanks for saying such nice things about the podcast. Mark Hayward is in Bristol. He says, I can't tow with an electric car, so how could I tow with an electric camper? How many sites would have the electric capacity to provide charging in hookups? Not many. Well, we know there's not many at the moment, Matt, but Mm. let's pull forward five or ten years, and that that might change, mightn't it? I think it's definitely going to change. And, Mark, I think what you're doing here is is trying to make a demand of a product that just can't deliver it yet. Hasn't been invented yet. No, it doesn't exist. And you you can tow with an electric car, and the towing capability of electric cars is vastly improving this year, and it will next year as well. So that's changing. Towing with electric camper, well, electric campers, some exist, the ID Buzz, some people are having a go at converting it. Campervan Co. have made one as well, all electric, with a really good range, I have to say, around 200 miles. Um, so it's happening. What the towing capability of that is, I don't know. Probably not very much. But I think it's going to change, but we just aren't ready for this demand yet. Charging on campsites at the moment, it's very, very few have got EV charge points and it's going to be years before that rolls out. I'd say, Mark, go and listen to some previous episodes, very recent ones, where we talked to an expert on the national grid and how he sees the future for our electrical uh, infrastructure and how campsites are going to receive electricity closer to them than we might have already. So, uh, yeah, I would go and check that out. Thanks very much for the question there, Mark. Colin Coulthard's in Harrow. I recognise that name. He's asked a question before. Uh, He's got a question and a half here. Following your (laughs) comments about speed limits, I was looking for speed limits for three and a half to seven and a half tonne motorhomes. The government website refers to a 3.05 tonne, not 3.50. Is this a typo? He then added this question. I just noticed that it's unladen weight. Does this add another aspect to payload? I saw a three and a half ton motorhome quoting a payload of 295 kilograms, making unladen weight 3205 kilograms. What speed can they drive at? My brain is like spaghetti. <laughs> It's complicated, isn't it? So basically, speed limits are determined by the curb weight, the net weight of the vehicle. So before it's got any load in it. So most motorhomes are under 3050 kg. That's the threshold. That's the speed limit determiner. Okay, that's the speed limit determinator. Is that a word? A determinator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> determinator. <laughs> that's what it sounds like, yeah. isn't it? So, but the key thing here is if your payload is only 295 kilos, then you are over that. So, yeah, you have a different speed restriction imposed on you. So the speed limits are, are typically 30, uh, 60, 70, and 70. So 30 in a built-up area, 60 on a single carriageway, 70 on a dual carriageway, and 70 on a motorway. However... If you're over, your net weight is over 3050, so like the motorhome that Colin alludes to, it's 30 in a built-up area, 50 on a single carriageway, 60 on a dual carriageway, and 60 on the motorway. But how would a police officer know? So the only indication the police officer has when they stop you, if they stop you, is they can pop the bonnet and look at your gross weight, which is probably 3,500. Irrelevant of your net weight, they're all generally three five hundred if you're over that 
then you're going to have a, a payload over the 3050 probably so they can guess you're probably speeding if you are but how do they know the only way to find out is to empty the motorhome and go and weigh it well that's not going to happen so this is often something that people say that'd nah, be fine but i would say drive within the capability of the vehicle and your own ability as well you know what the net weight is be mindful of that the motorhome is built for those speeds so just be careful be very careful there can be spot checks can't there on, on weights and they'll take you onto way bridges it does happen there's one on the M4 at Junction 18 at Bath uh, where there's a Weybridge. Uh, they concentrate on lorries, but you never know. It just might not be your lucky day. Well, there are summer campaigns by VOSA to stop motorhomes and caravans especially, and they check the weight. But in my experience, and I've been stopped, they only check the gross weight. They don't ask you to empty out your pants and socks and your shoes and everything else and all your hats and weigh it then empty. I've never known them do that. Excuse me, sir, would you mind emptying out your pants and socks? <laughs> It's a question you get regularly asked, <laughs> Keith, I'm sure. But I've never known that happen. I've never seen someone, all their personal belongings in bags on the side of the road while they drive the motorhome on a Weybridge. So maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've been asked to totally empty the motorhome. But even then, what criteria is in that net weight of the vehicle when it was purchased? Did it include water? How much fuel is in it? The given is normally 90%. But what about the driver? How much weight is allocated to the driver? So a whole load of questions. So it's a threshold that you know it has to be imposed. There has to be a line in the sand, doesn't there, of you know how fast you can go over this weight. This is how fast you can go. In reality, is it going to ever be detected? Probably not. So I hope you've got uh, from that answer everything you wanted from your question, Colin. As far as I was concerned, my brain turned to mush as soon as I got <laughs> to the, the end of your question. But I hope Matt has been able to put you right. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. What should people do to get in touch then, Matt? You can. We would love it if you did. Go to motorhomematcouk forward slash askmatt. And there you can ask your question. Just click the orange button. Tell us your name and where you are in the country or fill in the form and submit your question that way. On the website there, you'll also find all the previous episodes and a whole load more information too. You'll find us on YouTube at Motorhome Matt and also Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Share with a friend as well if you can. And if people listen on Apple and Spotify, what should they do, Matt? Oh, please do share with a friend and leave a review. If you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if that's where you're listening, we would love that. Help spread the word of the podcast and affect something called an algorithm. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com.